Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Read the word of God in the book of uh, Mark, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 13. I want us to read loud if you can. So you can open your Bibles or swipe your Bible. Are we there? Okay, let's read aloud. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he had locusts and wild honey. What a diet. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the stripes of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended to him. The Bible talks about uh, a man called John. He was also known as John the Baptist a.k.a. John the Imasa. We must give him all his names because there is another John here who is very active. So he was called John the Baptist, also known as John the Imasa, also known as John. Uh, John was the, for, the forerunner or the precursor of Jesus Christ. And John was active in the area of Jordan River. Luke tells us, Pastor Fred, that John and Jesus were relatives. Uh, when John was born, it was just six months before Jesus. And he stayed in the wilderness. And that was his life. And he was preaching about someone who was going to come after him. Someone more greater than him. And people came to him every time and asked him, who are you? Are you the Christ? He said, no. Are you the Messiah? Are you the promised prophet? He said, no. Then they asked him, then who are you? 
and he said that I am the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. So John was the precursor, the forerunner of, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So John identifies Jesus immediately as Jesus comes in. He sees Jesus and says that, Behold, the Son who takes away the sins of the world. He immediately identifies Jesus and recognizes him. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 verse 29 to 31, I will read John chapter 1, 29 to 31 if you're writing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I come baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So John is before coming before Jesus. But here he's saying that this person who is here comes, although I come after him, he was there before me. And he says that he has surpassed me. John chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of, the, of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. He talks about the beginning, where there was the word of God, and the word was with God. As we continue down uh, in verse 14, the Bible says that the word became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and holy son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So this word that was in the beginning, the Bible says it has now come and came and became flesh and dwelt among us. The one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So the name Jesus means in Hebrew is Yeshua. It sounds to me like Swahili. Uh, it's Yeshua. And the term Christ refers to the office. It's like a title. Like you say a doctor or a professor or something. So Christ is actually a title. And it was not a given name. I'm told that during those days, people had only one name. That's why you see that it's Jesus, the son of Joseph. And there's that uh, Barabbas, the son of so, so and so. So they had one name. Uh, one name instead of so many names. So, uh, And the, the Christ means Messiah or the anointed one. Uh, we want to look at Jesus in the Old Testament for today. Uh, and see him in the Old Testament because he is there and he is present. The title of uh, our reading today is our teaching today is uh, from beginning to the end. From beginning to the end. Uh, our subject is we are going to concentrate on the person of Jesus. That is our emphasis, the person of Jesus. So we are saying that Christ was patterned from beginning to the end. 
if you like, was portrayed from beginning to the end. Uh, if you like, uh, his icon can be seen everywhere as we move. If you like, you say that we can see a sample of him or a portrait of him as we go by through the Bible. Secondly, we are saying that he was promised. We find that Jesus is promised all through the Bible. All prophesying. There are so many prophecies about Jesus. And lastly, we say that Christ is present everywhere. So there are three P's. One, portrayed. Second P, promised. Third P, present. Can someone read for us uh, Revelation 22, verse 12 and 13? Revelation 22, 12 and 13. If you are there. Revelation 22, 12 and 13. Yes, David. Uh, Revelation 22, 12 and 13 says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen. He's saying that I am coming soon with the reward with me. And he continues to say that I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and I am the last. So for the lovers of football, Jesus is not a substitute player in a game of football. You know there is this substitute player who is just seated at the bench. We wait for the last quarter so that we bring Jesus. Uh, there are so many Jesus even now playing football. But <laughs> we are talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, so Jesus is not absent in the Old Testament, sitting on the bench, waiting to come on the fourth quarter. Sitting a player on the bench made what to a new loser, very gifted player. I said, Ole. <laughs> and that player gifted that was seated on the bench left just two, day, two days before the World Cup. He left Manu because he was just being, being seated on the bench. They give him 20 minutes or 15 minutes so Ronaldo walk away and left the team. Uh, So as we read our Bibles, it's not that Jesus is just there and we wait for him towards the end and then he comes into the world. He's there, he's present, he's portrayed, he's prophesied, he's promised. Jesus is present and people who don't like football, let's compare it with a game or a puzzle. Uh, just like a puzzle where uh, everything fits together, every piece fits together. So Jesus is portrayed, he's uh, prophesied and is present uh, as we talked about that. So number one, let's talk about him being portrayed or patterned or a sample of him or an icon of him. In the story of uh, uh, on the incident of Noah and the flood the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 7 verse 8 which I'll read so the Lord said I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. 
But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Sin and wickedness had so much increased in the world, and the Lord was like grieved about it. And he came and said that I'm going to destroy the universe, I'm going to destroy all creatures, I'm going to destroy everyone else. But the Bible says, but God found favor, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so God comes to Noah and commands Noah to build an ark and take every creature, male and female, and put them into the ark. And the flood comes and destroys everything else. You know the story of Noah. And after that, these people are released and life comes back again. We see the story of Jesus there. We see the story of salvation. Where the flood represents the judgment to come. And the ark, the salvation. Amen? The flood representation is a representation of judgment to come, and the ark is a representation of the salvation. Jesus talks about Noah and talks about the flood. And Jesus compares his return to the flood of Noah's time. In the book of Matthew 24, verse 37, Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus talks about his coming and he compares it to the days of Noah. I'll take that again. Matthew 24, 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So we see Jesus being portrayed, Jesus being patterned in the story of Noah and the flood. I'm reminded of Abraham. God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. God comes to Abraham. In verse 2, God says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrificing there as a burnt offering. On the mountain, I will show you. God comes to Abraham and tells him, Take your son. Remember, Isaac was the son of the promise. After so many years of waiting, God gives him a blessing of a son. But God comes again and says, I want a sacrifice. And it is your son you shall sacrifice. Without making noise and without everything else, I know John will have really asked so many questions. But God did not, but Abraham did not do that. Early in the morning he wakes up and takes his son Isaac and takes the wood and takes the fire and they walk. He starts walking very early in the morning, going towards the mountain. Reaching there, uh, no, as they are still going, Isaac says, Dad, here we have the wood, here we have the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord shall provide for himself a sacrifice. And so, when they reach there, Isaac receives the shock of his life. That he is a sacrifice. I can imagine there was a promotion where a son is trying to hold his a father holding the son tightly, maybe tied his hands and tied his legs and put him on the wood and lifted lifts his sword to kill him. 
There must have been noise and things like that. Abraham must have been a strong man at that age to tackle a young man. Uh, but it happened. But before, I, before Abraham will sacrifice his son, he hears a voice where God says, leave your son and look. And when he looks around, he sees a ram. God tells him, take that and sacrifice it. Praise the Lord. God spares Isaac and God provides a ram. It is said that people believe uh, that the sacrifice happened on a region which will later become Jerusalem. They believe that Mount Moriah, where that sacrifice happened, was a place where uh, would later become Jerusalem. Many scholars believe that Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed, is the same place, Golgotha, where Jesus was sacrificed. So when Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, there is a voice, stop. There is another to take his place. Yet, when the father and son, Jesus, walk to Calvary, there is no voice saying, stop, here is another. When Abraham is sacrificing his son, we hear a voice telling Abraham, stop, here is another to take his place. But when God is about to sacrifice his son, we don't hear a voice saying, stop, here is another to take his place. And so Jesus takes the ultimate price and becomes the ultimate sacrifice. And so again, Jesus is portrayed in that incident of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice and the lamb. As we look at Moses, Moses was born in Egypt. And during the time that he was born, Pharaoh had given an instruction that every male child of Jews' descent should be killed. And some wisdom came through the mother when the child was born. They took the child and put it in a nice basket and put it on the Nile River. And it happened that that day, the daughter of Pharaoh came to birth and had a child crying. And she asked her servants that the child be brought to her. Somehow she liked the child and she adopted the child to be one of her own. And so Moses grows up in the palace with all the privileges and all the opportunities there are. But one day as he was going around, uh, he found that there are two people who are fighting. An Egyptian was uh, mistreating an Israelite and that did go well with Moses. And so he struck the Egyptian and killed him. After killing him, he buried him. He had in him an urge to save his people. He realized that though I'm in the palace, I don't belong here. Those slaves are my people. And so he thought that that is done and he went back to the palace. Another time he saw two people fighting and he came to them and asked them, why are you fighting? Both of you are, both of you are Israelites. And they said, do you want to kill us? 
as you kill the Egyptian. Akasema, what? Kubei story imejulikana. This is now something else. So he ran away. He ran away and went to the wilderness. There, he got married and lived with his father-in-law and his wife. So one day, as he was taking care of the uh, ships and whatever, the, the, the cattle of the father-in-law, Moses sees a burning bush. And he, that attracts his attention and he moves closer to see what is happening. But he hears a voice. A voice saying, remove your shoes, for the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. And so Moses removes his shoes. And God tells him that I am sending you to my people, the Israelites. And I want you to go and save them. And so the same thing that Moses was running away from is the same thing that God is calling him back to. And you know the story of Moses, how he went there. Uh, reaching there, there are so many, so many uh, miracles that God that, uh, did. Just to prove to, Mo, to, to, to Pharaoh that these are the people of God and Moses is a man of God so that he releases his people. But I want us to look at the Passover. This was the last one. Uh, Exodus chapter 12 verse 13. We shall read. Exodus 12, 13 says, The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So God told Moses, Sacrifice a lamp, put the blood on the doorpost, on the left and on the right, and on the top. And the angel will come to strike. But when I see the blood, I am going to pass over you. The angel of death is not going to strike the house that has the blood. And I want to say that there is a greater exodus that is coming. There is a greater exodus culminating into the ultimate liberation and redemption of sins. A greater exodus from slavery of sin. So in the story of Moses, in the life of Moses, and in the incident of the Passover, we see Jesus Christ being portrayed or being patterned. Let's talk about David. Uh, David was a, a great king among the, the kings of Israel. David and Solomon were the great among the kings. And their reign was better than any other. You see, before that, God did not intend that the children of Israel should have a king. Because God was their king. But the Bible says uh, uh, that these people said no. They went to, they went to the Lord and uh, they went to Samuel and said, which I'll read, Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. That's what they said. Appoint for us a king. Because they were looking at all the nations, they had kings and they liked it. So they said, appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So after that, other kings will come and go. But David and Solomon stood as two of the greatest kings in Israel's history. David was a clear indication that a greater king will come one day. 
David's reign was an indication that one day a greater king will arrive. So we see Jesus portrayed in the story of Noah and the flood, in the sacrifice of Abraham, in Moses, in the Passover, and even in David. And so he's there from the beginning to the end. We see him there from the beginning to the end. Isaiah prophesied about the coming king. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. Of the greatest of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The seal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish, accomplish this. So Isaiah prophesies about a government and that will have no end, a government that will reign on David's throne. The reign of David is a picture of the coming king. I'm reminded of the wise men who came and worshipped Jesus. My brother David reminds me that there were not three. We keep on saying the three wise men, so there were not three. Uh, but the wise men who came to see Jesus. Uh, in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They are coming for the king, and they are coming to worship him. At crucifixion, at crucifixion there was an, an inscription on the cross saying, King of the Jews. And don't we call Jesus the King of Kings? Don't we call him the Lord of Lords? So in the reign of David and in the reign of kingship, we see a king. The reason why the Jews have never accepted that Jesus has come is that they were expecting a king. And the king comes and is born in a manger. So that was like it didn't click. But their time is going to come. God is going to open their eyes. And they will recognize that Jesus is the promised king. So if we, number one, the first thing we are saying that Jesus is portrayed all through. Number two, he's promised. Jesus is promised. Jesus is prophesied about. Moses was a great prophet, but he prophesies of a greater prophet. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 18, 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. That is Moses telling the Israelites. I'll take that again. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Though he is great a prophet, but he's telling people, he's telling the Israelites, the Lord your God is going to raise a prophet like me among you. The people are still waiting for the prophet when Jesus came. Indeed, the Jews are still waiting for, his, for this prophet to death, not realizing that he has already come, but God shall open their eyes to see the Savior. Their time is going to come. Isaiah also prophesies about the birth of Christ. In Isaiah 7 verse 14, the birth of Jesus is prophesied. The Bible says, 
Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So, Jesus' birth is prophesied. It's being said that he's going to come out of a virgin and his name is going to be Emmanuel. Isaiah prophesied many, many years before even the birth of Christ. Samuel prophesied of a faithful priest in Samuel chapter 2, verse 35. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. You know the priests were there, but they were not perfect. They could come and go. But here Samuel stands and prophesies and says, there is one that is going to come, a faithful priest, who is going to be firmly established. When I see So there are so many prophecies of Jesus that time will not allow us to go through. Because his birth was prophesied, his crucifixion was prophesied, his death and resurrection. So he's there from the beginning to the end. The third P is that Jesus is present. He's present. And as we say, he's not a substitute player, which we'll bring after, before the end of the match when we have only 15 minutes so that he comes and plays and goes away. No, he's present from beginning to the end. Amen? Jesus is part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Present from beginning to the end. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. I know you may not have time to do this, but you can write down and check later. Exodus 3, 13 to 14 says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God your Father has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God is introducing himself to Moses as I am. He's telling him, I am who I am. It's like there's nothing to compare God to. And so he's taking the, 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 the name I am. And looking at John chapter 8 verse 58. Jesus says, Verily I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Verily I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus compares himself to the I am we hear in Exodus chapter 3. So we are saying that Jesus is present everywhere else. Isaiah saw his glory and spoke about it. Um, John chapter 12 verse 4 to 41 talks about Isaiah. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I will hear them. Isaiah said this is because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. 
I sigh seeing the glory of Jesus before Jesus comes and he spoke and speaks about it. And so we see Jesus, we see him in the Old Testament is from the beginning to the end. He is portrayed, he is promised, and he is present. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse, 6 verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Exodus was a release from slavery to rest. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30, the Bible says, Jesus says, I come to you all. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. In Exodus, it was a release from slavery after many years. But Jesus comes and says in Matthew, come to me all who are weary and heavily laddened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There is the word rest there. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Christ is saying that I'm going to take your burden and I'm going to give you my own. And so Christ is a perfect sacrifice. He will take away what is ours and that is our sins and give us what is his, his righteousness. He's telling us to come out of our bondages, out of our slavery, out of our sins, and he's telling us that he's going to give us his own, and which is light. Uh, the word righteousness means right standing with God. Uh, or in right books with God. Therefore, as we finish, uh, we should learn to accept the perfect sacrifice of God. Let us know that he comes for us, for salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. Let us, let us allow Jesus to take our sin and give us his righteousness. Let us worship him as God and King eternal, while submitting to his Lordship. Remember the wise men who came and said, we have come to worship him. We have come to worship the King. Let us surrender and allow Him to lead us each day and every, each day, every step of the way. Let us know that He is always present, as He is present in every scripture, present in every book, present everywhere. Let us know that He is even present today, and He is present in our circumstances that we have, present in everything that we are going through. So let us know that. Uh, Christ is there with us from beginning to the end. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at True Bunny House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.